3: Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. What happened to music that meant something? The who at the kingdom or a kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the misty mountain hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? We- not a test. This is rock and roll.
4: He killed a man in Reno just to watch him die. And now the man in
1: black gets a classic album dissection. I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. This week, we celebrate the 45th anniversary of Johnny Cash's live recording at Folsom Prison. And later, Dixie Chick Natalie Maines goes solo. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and
4: now it's time for some music news.
1: That song by Jimmy Buffett was a top 10 hit when it came out. It was his highest charting single. The album went platinum. That's something a lot of pop songs accomplish. But a recent article in Bloomberg Businessweek argued that Margaritaville is the most lucrative single pop song of all time. How? They're counting the ancillary products. There are 27 bar and restaurants across the country. The latest just opened a $35 million complex in New Jersey with two restaurants, multiple bars, and a beach-themed casino. Businessweek argues that you have to go to a brand like Star Wars, Winnie the Pooh, or Transformers to find anybody making more money off of a single piece of pop product. Jimmy Buffett doesn't make a distinction between Jimmy Buffett and Margaritaville. It's margaritaville.com is his website. Everything about the restaurants is advertised there, as well as his music. And at these restaurants, you can buy all sorts of stuff. Do you know there's a Margaritaville blender for a mere (laughs) $349.99? We here at Sound Opinions on Navy Pier in Chicago are steps away from a Margaritaville. I refuse to ever go in, but you (laughs) like your pina coladas there. I know. Because it's a private company, Greg, Margaritaville does not have have to release its income but the orlando business journal took a deep look at the company in 2007 and said that year it made a hundred million dollars and it's only gotten richer since that's a ridiculous amount of money for a very silly song about being lazy and getting drunk and it has like 200 words in it
3: how you doing down here this is a good end i like this end this is a title. end I could
4: That is the Rolling Stones who are rolling through North America, just wrapping up a big tour. And it is the midst of the concert season, Jim. I mean, during the summer, this is when the big guns roll out. And uh, that means that the ticket scalpers are out in force as well, using uh, these BOT programs to consume vast majority of the tickets that are available for some of these big shows. What is a BOT? It's a cheap and widely available computer program. And it is the biggest enemy of the concert industry right now. A recent piece in the New York Times kind of detailing, updating this story that we have been covering for a number of years here on this show, Jim. Ticketmaster is saying that bots are being used to buy more than 60% of the most desirable tickets for some of these big shows. This is from an industry with Ticketmaster and Live Nation dominating the concert industry. They sell about 140 million tickets a year. Ticketmaster Fighting Back is the latest development here. For the last couple of years, they have tried to develop programs that can counter these bots. They're using technology to try to slow the rate at which these tickets can be purchased by these bots. But they say they're losing the battle, basically. Every time they come up with a new piece of technology to slow down the bots. They invent a new technology <laughs> on the other side to speed it up. A lot of these ticketing bots are often you know, very inexpensive uh, and programmed in countries beyond the easy reach of U.S. law enforcement. So basically Ticketmaster is saying we're losing the battle right now. A Ticketmaster spokesman says we're not trying to stop anybody from buying tickets. We're just trying to make sure that a fan can buy the tickets. And right now the fans are losing out.
1: Well, Greg, there's no doubting that uh, the secondary ticket seller, as you call them, scalper would be Mm -hmm. a less polite term, is the biggest scourge in the concert industry. Increasingly, bands are finding a number two enemy, though. The British indie rock band Alt-J is using a new app that provides concertgoers with video footage from the board of the concert so that they won't use their cell phones or other devices to record the concert. The Yeah, Yeah, Yes are putting signs up at every gig, asking people not to use their cell phones to record. Uh, We've seen savages from the UK do the same thing. I would agree with these bands, Greg. I think in the Sound Opinions concert-going etiquette book, rule number one is don't hold up your recording device throughout the entire concert. It's going to distract other people. I would put at number two majority rules common sense if the entire section of the arena you're in or the theater is standing up and dancing don't you be shouting sit down if they're all sitting down don't you be standing up and obstructing other people's views common courtesy right common courtesy Jim number three
4: common courtesy towards the artist respect the artist The artist is playing a slow song don't shout out your request for the next song you want to hear them play <laughs> don't free shout bird. out free bird yes thank you very much we don't need that and don't throw things on stage. The, you can wait till after the show to have them sign your t shirt or your album, whatever it is, your cap. And number four, Jim, I speak from personal experience now. No punching your fellow fans. Okay? <laughs> I'm
1: at an Allison Change show. I may not be a fan, but don't punch the critic either. What do you think should go into the Concert Goers Etiquette Rulebook? Give us a call with your thoughts. 888 859 1800. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash.
5: I hear the train are coming it's rolling around a bend and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom prison and time keeps dragging on but that train keeps rolling on down to San Antonio
4: You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with Jim Dirigatis, and that is the man in black, Johnny Cash with his unmistakable Folsom Prison Blues. It's off Cash's 1968 live record at Folsom Prison. That album turned 45 this May, so we're celebrating it by revisiting our classic album, Dissection. It's an iconic album for a number of reasons, but let's put this album in its context, Jim. Where Cash was in his career when this record was recorded on January 13th, 1968. Consider that Cash had begun his career in the 50s and had a number of hits for the Sun Records label.
5: I keep a close watch on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine, I walk the line
4: but by the time he made this record in 68, he was 15 years into his career, basically. And he was considered by his label somewhat of a has-been, somewhat washed up. He'd still had a bunch of hits, but he wasn't looking so good. He had a huge yeah. drug problem. Yeah, to say the uh, least. His marriage was, was breaking up. He hadn't had a hit for quite a while. He'd made a number of really kind of crazy records. I mean, just questionable taste Being exhibited. Uh, One of his most recent albums at the time was called Everybody Loves a Nut. Can you imagine Johnny Cash coming out with a record titled That at this point in his career?
5: There was a hermit named Fred who kept a dead horse in his cave, and everyone said to Fred, Fred, how come you keep a dead horse in your cave? And he said, Well,
1: And remember, this is still the first generation of rock and roll stars. You know, now we take it as a, for granted that the Rolling Stones will continue when they're 70, right. right? But, you know, nobody, none of his peers, not Chuck Berry and not Jerry Lee Lewis, nobody was really sustaining a career into a second decade at that point. It, it was not a given. That's a great point. And
4: Cash was considered a has-been by a lot of people. They thought, okay, his run is over. But things turned around for him at Columbia when his producer, since the 50s, Don Law, retired, and a new guy came into the game, a guy by the name of Bob Johnson, who was about 35 years old at the time. Johnson, you may remember, was the guy who was involved in all those key Dylan albums from the mid-60s onward. Uh, Highway 61 revisited. John Wesley Harding, Blonde on Blonde. He'd recorded some music with Simon and Garfunkel. He was a New York hipster, and he understood what uh, artists wanted. He was was, uh, one of those iconoclasts who said, you know, the label doesn't know nothing. I listen to the (laughs) artists. I let the artists do what they want. I'll roll the tape. Johnny Cash had wanted to make a live album at a prison, for at least a decade. And Johnny Cash had performed at prisons. That's one thing people may not realize, but he'd been playing in prisons since 1957. And since about the early 60s, he'd been begging his labels, saying, I want to do an album here. I know how these audiences react. It's going to be great. And the labels are going crazy.
5: Um, getting back to that Folsom Prison album, you had a, a lot of trouble persuading somebody to do it. They mm-hmm. didn't uh, think it would go. Is that the reason?
4: You'd have to hear
5: the reaction and response or enthusiasm from prison audience to really believe it Uh, maybe it was captured on the album maybe it wasn't but the first time i played a prison i i said this is the only place to record an album live because i never heard a a reaction to the songs like the prisoners gave
4: now cash himself has an interesting history here as well he had been in jail a couple of times not for any long stays but he did have a bit of a record, and this sort of ties into the earlier point about the fact that he was having an issue with drugs and was acting kind of crazy, and the label was wondering, what do we have here? So in 61, he spent four hours in jail on drunkenness and disorderly conduct charges in Nashville, and then in 65, he was busted for uh, crossing over into New Mexico, buying about 1,000 pills, yeah. trying to cross back into El Paso. He got arrested by the, by the border police and, and stuck in jail, and he ended up paying a fine and being handcuffed, that picture was shown on newspapers around the country and was kind of an indication of the dissolution of Johnny Cash. You know, a great career was coming to the end. Here was this guy being busted for buying drugs in Mexico. My bills are all due, and the babies need shoes, but I'm busted.
5: Cotton is down to a quarter a pound, and I'm busted I got a cow that went dry and a hen that won't lay, a big stack of bills that get bigger each day, the county
4: will haul my belongings away. And I don't think it's exaggerated that June Carter Cash, you know, saved him. June Carter came into his life and sort of set him on the straight and narrow path, as it were. And the start of that, Jim, was really, I think, this concert. I think this is the the moment where the second phase of Johnny Cash's career really got rolling. And within a year, he was a superstar again.
5: From the home of the world-renowned Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee, the Kraft Music Hall presents... The 2nd Annual Country Music Awards.
0: The next award is for the Country Music Album of the Year. This award is to the artist, but there will also be a plaque later for the producer. The albums nominated are Best of Merle Haggard, performer Merle Haggard. By the Time I Get to Phoenix, performer Glenn Campbell. Divorce, performer Tammy Wynette. Gentle on My Mind, performer Glenn Campbell. And Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison, performer Johnny Cash. The album of the year, Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison.
4: I think that Johnny Cash that we know today as this great American icon, one of the great performers in American music from the last half century, that reputation really started to be forged and solidified when he made this record.
1: Well, Greg, you know, we're making the case that this is one of the greatest live albums of all time, and one of the things is where it was recorded. I think you need to know a few things about Folsom Prison. You know, this place was built in the late 1870s on the site of a mining camp. It was imposing. It looked like a medieval fortress. It was a scary place. People spent their time in four-by-eight cells with six-inch thick metal doors that are still there to this day. Mm -hmm. They made an improvement sometime in the 50s. They drilled some holes in the door, air holes, okay? Mm -hmm. This is where the state of California hung all of the people who were convicted of capital crimes until they moved over to San Quentin with the gas chamber, which happened to be the next place Johnny Cash played. See through the prison
5: bars, Joe Bean, see where the gallows stand. Just twenty short years from the day you were born, you died by the hangman's hand. Yes, they're hanging Joe Bean this morning for a shooting that he never did. He killed twenty men. By the time he was ten, he was an unruly kid. Yes, they're hanging
1: Joe Bean for the one shooting that Joe Bean never did. It was a scary place. There was a stone quarry. Uh, Half the prisoners worked all day breaking rocks, literally. The other half worked in the metal shop. To this day, every license plate in the state of California is made at Folsom Prison. I did a lot of reporting early in my career when I was an investigative reporter on a jail in Hudson County, New Jersey, that was similar. When cash played there, the population was like 7,500. It's a prison built to hold 3,500, and that's how many it holds today. It's overcrowded. It's tense. It smells. There's a Smell in prison that I don't think is like anything else in the world that I've ever smelled. It's part fear and sweat and excitement and danger. The guards hate being there, the prisoners hate being there. Anybody who visits once is loath to go back. Hmm. And here Cash is coming to play for these. He's going into, you know, probably the only person in history who's willingly walked into prison.
5: Where it's dark as a dungeon, down as the dew, danger is doubled. Pleasures are few Where the rain never falls The sun never shines It's dark as a dungeon Way down in
1: the mine. It's a hostile environment. If the prisoners are kind to him, then the guards are going to hate him. If the guards like him, then the prisoners are going to hate him. And into this abyss walks Johnny Cash so how does Johnny Cash win over these people he walks out on stage and of course he's dressed in black right off the bat he's saying I'm with you guys I think more though there's an attitude there's a like he's not afraid to be there he's happy to be there and he wants to prove himself to the prisoners he's not taking it for granted I'm your entertainment for the evening you should like me he comes out he says who he is hello I'm Johnny Cash He's not afraid to give his name. And then he plays a song that he wrote about this place that nobody loves, everyone hates, and no one wants to be there. And not only does he sing about it, he confesses a crime. Everybody else in that prison is innocent. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. He did. I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die.
5: When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son.
1: We're going to take a quick break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, but when we come back, more of our dissection of Johnny Cash's At Folsom Prison and some of our favorite tracks. Then, later in the show, Greg and I review new records from The National and the Dixie Chicks lead vocalist Natalie Maines.
5: They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars. Well, I know I had it coming. I know I can't be free. Those people keep a moving, and that's what tortures me.
4: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with Jim DeRogatis, and that's Johnny Cash, accompanied by his wife, June Carter, on the track Jackson. It's from Cash's live album, At Folsom Prison, which turned 45 this May. Every once in a while in Sound Opinions, we like to revisit albums that have stood the test of time. At Folsom Prison definitely qualifies. That collaboration with June, I think, is a good reminder of why. Cash wasn't doing it alone. You know, it was Cash with a, with a tremendous band uh, playing this, this concert. It's one of the reasons it's one of the greatest concerts ever recorded. I mean, he had the Tennessee Three with whom he'd been recording since the 50s, but he also had his wife June Carter there guesting on a couple of songs. He had the Statler Brothers with him singing some backup vocals, and he also had Carl Perkins, a guitar, so a pretty amazing band. But really what it was all about was Cash, that man in black, up there at the foot of the stage, the audience literally within a couple of feet of him, with his guitar, they could have done anything to him, but what they ultimately responded to was a guy who had this confidence, uh, this presence to basically own that place for, for those two hours, and, and did a tremendous job of it.
5: The judge said, son, what is your alibi? If you were somewhere else, then you won't have to die. I spoke not a word. Though it meant my life, I'd been in the arms of my best friend's wife.
4: (laughs) Did I hear somebody applaud? People may think, well, half the songs in this show were about people in prison, uh, you know, spoken from the perspective of a convict. And you may think, well, oh, he was obviously pandering to this crowd. Well, no, not at all. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, he'd been playing in prisons for 10 years now, and on his first album in the 50s, released for Sun Records, three of the songs were sung from the perspective of a con. He was writing about people in prison even at that early stage, and it was a very important part of his, his interest in American song.
5: On this old rock pile With the ball and chain They call me by a number Not a name, Lord, Lord Gotta do my time I gotta do my time With an aching heart won't that gal
4: of mine You can hear my hammer Johnny Cash came from a very tough, poor, blue-collar, working-class background where he recognized that the difference between him and the guy behind bars was not that much. And he had an incredible empathy for that audience, understanding what it was to be there in that kind of a position where it could have easily been him. And I think the audience implicitly understood that about him when he came out there and uh, commanded that stage. Jim, you and I are going to play some songs now from this particular concert Give an example, of flair for what was going on there And the one I want to play is 25 Minutes to Go Which was one of the centerpieces of that show as far as I'm concerned yeah. It was written by Shel Silverstein And he's probably best known, Silverstein is, at least for Cash fans Is the guy who wrote A Boy Named Sue Which was a big part of that San Quentin album That Cash recorded a year later
5: well, he must have thought that it was quite a joke and it got a lot of laughs from a lots of folks. It seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle and I'd get red, and some guy'd laugh and I'd bust his head. I'll tell you,
4: life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. But I think the key song that Silverstein... I think a better song, actually, is 25 Minutes to Go. And what it is is basically written, from again, from the perspective of a prisoner on death row, his last 25 minutes on earth. And listen to how the audience responds to certain key lines in this song. 25 Minutes to Go from Johnny Cash on Sound Opinions.
5: to go Well, they gave me some beans
4: for my last
5: meal With 23 minutes to go But nobody asked me how I feel I got 22 minutes to go Well, I sent for the governor and the whole darn bunch With 21 minutes to go And I called up the mayor, but he's out to lunch I got 20 more minutes to go the Sheriff said, boy, I'm going to watch you die with 19 minutes to go. So I laughed in his face and I spit in his eye with 18 minutes to go. Now here comes a preacher for to save my soul with 13 minutes to go. And he's talking about burning, but I'm so cold. 12 more minutes to go Well, they're testing the trap And it chills my spine 11 more minutes to go And the trap and the rope all they work just fine (laughs) 10 more minutes to go Well, I'm waiting for the pardon That'll set me free But nine more minutes to go But this ain't the movie, so forget about me. Eight more minutes to go. With my feet on the trap and my head in the noose, five more minutes to go. Won't somebody come and cut me loose? Seven more minutes to go. I can see the mountains, I can see the sky with three more minutes to go, and it's too darn pretty for a man to want to die but two more minutes to go. I can see the buzzards, I can hear the crows, one more minute to go.
1: 25 minutes to go by Johnny Cash from the classic album we're dissecting at Folsom Prison you know Shel Silverstein also of course was the author of the Timeless children's book Yes The Giving Tree But gallows humor Greg What great gallows humor They're building a gallows Outside my cell mm-hmm. I've got 25 minutes to go The whole town's coming Just to hear me yell yep. i got 24 minutes to go mm-hmm. I'm going to play a song Where Cash is no longer laughing It's called Greystone Chapel And it ends the album It's different from much Of what's on the record Because it's Well first of all It's a lot longer It's six minutes uh, On a record where most Of the songs are, are Two or three and uh it's not a song that he wrote. It's a tune that was written by a guy named Glenn Shirley just a couple of years earlier in the late 60s. Shirley was an inmate at Folsom Prison when he wrote the song, which is juxtaposing prison life and and being constricted and constrained with spiritual freedom and flying high and wide. The night before they recorded this song, Cash and the band were staying at the El Rancho Motel in Sacramento, the capital of California, 10 miles away from the town of Folsom where the prison was. And one of Cash's closest friends, the Reverend Gressett, came up to Cash and he asked a favor. And we have exactly what he said. He said, Johnny, I want you to hear a song written by Glenn Shirley, an inmate in Folsom, serving five to life for armed robbery. You've been so busy that I haven't had a chance to tell you about it, but I thought you could mention tomorrow, maybe, that you've heard the tape and it would please that old boy. Kish did one better. They listened to the tape as a band, and he was moved almost to tears by... The lines, there's a graystone chapel here at Folsom, a house of worship in this den of sin. You wouldn't think God has a place at Folsom, but he'll save the soul of many a lost Mm -hmm. man. And I think that to end the show, you can hear this thunderous applause. Again, is it pandering? You know, I'm playing a song written by one of you guys. Hello, Cleveland, right? right. No, No, this is the fundamental message of... Cash's entire career I'm a sinner, Lord, but you're going to forgive me And I'd rather be in the company of these fellow sinners Than some of the saints I've met Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Cash was a man who loved Not in the middle of the road He loved to travel in the gutter I think that this is the perfect exclamation point To one of the greatest albums ever recorded Here it is, Greystone Chapel From At Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash
5: Inside the walls of prison My body may be But my Lord has set my soul free There's a grey stone chapel Here at Folsom A house of worship In this den of sin You wouldn't think that God had a place Here at Folsom But he saved the soul of many lost men Now this grey stone chapel Here at Folsom Stands a hundred years old Made of granite rock It takes a ring of keys to move Here at Folsom But the door to the house of God is never locked Inside the walls of prison my body may be But the Lord has set my soul free There are men here that don't ever worship. There are men here who scoff at the ones who pray. But I've got down on my knees in that gray stone chapel. And I thank the Lord for helping me each day. Now, this gray stone chapel here at Folsom. It has a touch of God's hand on every stone. It's a flower of light in a field of darkness. And it's given me the strength to carry on. Inside the walls of prison, my body may be, but my Lord has set my soul free.
1: Greystone Chapel by Johnny Cash from At Folsom Prison. Greg, that album is 45 years old this month, but it hasn't aged a day. And one of the surest signs of that is the number of covers of these songs. Everybody from Diamanda Gallas to the Reverend Horton Heat, from Pine Valley Cosmonauts to the band playing under us, Uncle Tupelo has covered Cash from this album. If you want to sound off on Johnny Cash or let us know what live album you think stands the test of time give us a call at 888-859-1800. We'll be back after a short break on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with reviews of the new albums from The National and another country rebel, Natalie Maynes.
3: Early in the morning I was making the I took a shot of I my town I went straight home and- too bad. I loving the 44 beneath my head. Early next morning, I grabbed that gun. I took a shot of cocaine and away I run. Made a good run, but I run too slow. They overtook me down in war Mexico. A ah, hot joy, just a taking the pills. And walked the sheriff from Jericho Hills. He said, "Willie, on name is not Jack Brown." You're a dirty hack that shot your woman down So yes, my name is Willie Lee You got a warrant just read it to me I shot a call because you made me sore I thought it was her daddy, but she had five more when I was arrested, I was dressed in black They put me on a train They took me back
2: Graceless powder to the rain
4: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and that's a track from the new National album. The track is called Graceless. The new album is called Trouble Will Find Me. The National, band that's been around for quite a while, uh, formed in Cincinnati in 1999. Five-piece band, basically the same lineup since that day. Singer Matt Berninger and two sets of brothers in this band, Aaron and Bryce Dessner on guitars and Scott and Brian Devendorf as the rhythm section. These guys formed their own label, Brassland, to release their first couple of albums, then moved to New York, Brooklyn, and began working with uh, renowned producer Peter Caddis on their next few albums. Alligator in 2005 was their breakthrough. Uh, Sold a couple hundred thousand copies, got the major exposure at uh, rock festivals around the world, and then they followed it up with Boxer in 2007, which cracked the Billboard Top 100, High Violet in 2010, now their sixth album, Trouble Will Find Me Guest appearances by Sharon Van Etten, Sufjan Stevens, St. Vincent These guys are moving up in the world They're also self-producing their own stuff now Here's a track from it, Demons, from Trouble Will Find Me By The National, on Sound Opinions
2: When I think of you in the city Beside of you among the sides Get the sudden sinking feeling Of a man about to fly Never kept me up before Now I've been awake for days I can't fight it anymore I'm going through an awkward phase I'm secretly in love with Everyone that I grew up with To my crying underwater I can't get down any farther All my drowning friends can see Now there is no running from it It's become a crook of. you die
1: was Demons by The National from album number six, Trouble Will Find Me. Greg, and I think that's a a good example of this band on this album. They've been doing the same thing for a very long time now. Existential dread and depression. Okay, (laughs) that is what uh, Berninger kind of specializes in. And that track, it's kind of catchy. The musicianship and the recording is impeccable. It works its way under your skin so long as you don't pay too much attention to it. Because this guy who is at the the verge of self-annihilation because his <laughs> life is so miserable all builds up to his biggest complaint is, when I walk into a room, I don't light it up. <laughs> Jeez, really? Okay. You know, earlier he says, if you want to make me cry, play Let It Be or Nevermind. mind. I'd rather play Let It Be, or never mind. Uh, whether I'm going to cry or not, I don't know. You know, the, the same emotion over and over again, this depressive shtick, except they've gotten much less subtle. As they've gone into the mainstream, as they've gone to the arenas, an unhealthy amount of U2 stadium bombast has come into the proceedings. There are some fine moments on this album, but like I said, if you listen too close and think too hard, you will soon say, why am I wasting my time? It's a burn it, and I'm being kind with that.
4: I'm not hearing the bombast at all, Jim. I am hearing subtlety in this music. I think that's perhaps the fault that I'm finding with it more so than you. You know, they they've basically defined a sound, this sort of brooding chamber pop, chamber rock, whatever you want to call it. Very subtle orchestration with the strings, the keyboards, the horns ornamenting, you know, the basic five-piece lineup. I think Devendorf, the drummer, is is fantastic. He, the way he compliments Berninger's voice is the key to the band. Berninger, though, has become a bit of a one-trick pony. I mean, this is a midlife crisis uh, times 10 it's on this been record. Going on for 25 years. Yeah, and, and as a result of that... I feel like they've sort of taken this big block of sound that they started with. I think their second album, Sad Songs for Dirty Lovers, was brilliant in the way it used the dynamics. Uh, One of the best and most underrated albums of that decade. And I think they've just taken a very narrow portion of that sound and sort of focused on it to the detriment of how wide-spanning they could be. I wish there was more bombast on this record. You're (laughs) saying there's there's too much of it? No, I don't think there's enough of it. I wish there was more of a a range in the sound. I, I like this band. I respect them, but I can't say I love the last couple of records. This is a Burn It record for me.
0: Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? Mother, do you think they'll like this song?
1: Greg, everybody loves that song. It is Pink Floyd's Mother from the Wall, but it is being brought to us by Natalie Maines, best known as the lead singer of the Dixie Chicks, from her new solo album, which she calls Mother. You know, Natalie was born to country music music, Hierarchy. Her dad was the producer, Lloyd Maines. She went on to the Berklee School of Music. She's got some serious chops. In 1991, she was recruited by uh, Marty Robeson and Emily McGuire to become the new lead singer of the Dixie Chicks, replacing their original singer. Natalie's the girl with the big mouth. She's gotten the Dixie Chicks into some trouble, famously. 2002, picking a feud with Toby Keith over his jingoistic uh, courtesy of the red, white, and blue. 2003, in the UK, criticizing President Bush on stage for the war in Iraq, got them banned in a lot of corners of the conservative Nashville country music pantheon. They went on to kind of break from Nashville, recorded their last album in 2006 with uh, Rick Rubin, and they've been on hiatus ever since been pretty darn quiet in Camp Dixie Chicks aside from the uh, scattered concert appearance now comes this solo album from Natalie Maines. she turned to producer Ben Harper to guide her through it and there are a lot of covers a few originals but she's, she's going far and wide teaming up with Gary Lewis of the Jayhawks covering a song by Jeff Buckley Eddie Vedder the Pink Floyd track that we heard this is a song that was written by Patty Griffin it is called Silver Bell by Natalie Maines from Mother on Sound Opinions.
4: Silver Bell from Natalie Maines, the first solo album from Natalie Maines called Mother. Jim, you mentioned the uh, Dixie Chicks. Obviously, you cannot not mention the Dixie Chicks when you're talking about Natalie Maines' career. And I think near the end of her tenure with that band... You saw her sort of chafing a bit at her reputation within that band and, and the band's reputation itself within country circles as sort of a feisty but kind of uh, lighthearted band. She wanted to be taken more seriously, I think, on a number of levels. And this is a record that's uh, saying take me seriously as an artist, take me seriously as a singer. I think she partially... Succeeds. There's a few moments on this record where you really see an artist underneath that country pop veneer. You know, I think I think she does a great job with the title song, for example. But for the most part, you know, you alluded to the production. Ben Harper, I don't think does her a lot of favors here as the producer. It's a very slickly produced record. And there's a few moments where she's just frankly out of her range. She covers that Jeff Buckley song "Lover, You Should Have Come Over," and I think she just slaughters it. You know, so she is trying to stretch herself as a singer and an artist, but I don't think she gets all the way there. There are a few moments on this record that I think are pretty good, but there's a a bunch of other moments where I think uh, she should have tried again. It's a Burn It record for me.
1: Yeah, I agree, Greg. I think of that classic uh, debut episode of The Mary Tyler Moore Show, where Mary Tyler Moore meets (laughs) Lou Grant for the first time, right? You know, and, and Ed Asner says to her as Lou Grant you're spunky and Mary kind of, you know, is proud. And then Ed says, I hate spunk. (laughs) Right. And, and, Natalie's the spunky one I wish there was more spunk here she's got it in her she was just afraid to let it show you know you don't go to Ben Harper for, for soul and dirt and gut and grits despite him thinking he has all that you, you go to like Jack White alright what could Jack White and Natalie Maines have done together because it's not even the problem of the song choice it's really that everything sounds to Nashville still and by Nashville I mean the industry the attitude the sound of the place but also the TV show with Connie Britton I I like that show it sounds like she could be singing these songs it's too generically country pop I wish Natalie had given us more so it's a burn it record I tell you little buddy this whole island is bewitched
0: Remember, we were shipwrecked together.
4: As often as possible, we like to take the Sound Opinions yacht over to the desert island. And this week, it is Jim the turn to play a track you cannot live without. We're Jim, a, what do you
1: got? We're at Public Radio. I'm not so sure we have a yacht. <laughs> Greg, I'm feeling a little progressive rock today, and uh, partly it's because of—this uh, is a gratuitous plug alert—a new book called Yes is the Answer and Other Prog Rock Tales. I contributed a chapter, and so ELP has been on my mind because novelist Rick Moody writes about that band, and that is the silliest of all the progressive rock bands. Everything that could be done over the top, they did way over the top, and they were unabashed about it. But they could be very pop-oriented in their more succinct moments. I'm going to play a song from their 1970 self-titled debut called Lucky Man. Greg... Lake, the bassist and vocalist, that baritone vocalist, wrote this song when he was 12 years old. And it really feels like that. It's a fantasy, uh, kind of Dungeons and Dragons, but I think it's set in the Napoleonic era. The best part of it is the war comes in in the form of the Keith Emerson Moog solo, the first really successful Moog synthesizer solo On record. This became a hit single in nineteen seventy three, a few years after it initially appeared. It starts as this low droning D, this ominous sound. And then as the song ends, Emerson just goes insane. All right? (laughs) He plays about seventeen million notes in the space of thirty seconds. He jumps up two octaves using the glide device on the Moog. It's just so silly, but it's so brilliant. He's disavowed this solo in recent years. He doesn't play it live and he refuses you know, he he's very ashamed of it. But I think that, that that's the whole story of Prague. Don't be ashamed for the feelings you had when you were a 12 or 13-year-old boy. Let your freak flag fly. Don't be ashamed to be a geek. Here is Lucky Man by Emerson Lake and Palmer on Sound Opinions.
0: He had white horses and ladies by the score All dressed in satin and waiting by the door
1: Man by ELP, my Desert Island jukebox pick. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, you and I are going to run down our favorite albums of the year so far. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, and Annie Minhoff. Special thanks to Shauna Coyne. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, is Tori Southside-Malatea. He's not the man in black. He's kind of the man in beige.
0: A mine weaver, always on the phone, telling me all sorts of dirt of his own. Although his voice was sweet to me, I wondered if we could. ever.
4: On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800.
0: New messages.
4: Hi, my name's John Steer from Minier, Illinois. And I think it's funny uh, that you talk about ratings being down for American Idol this year by 40%. I think uh, large part due to the untalented Phillips, Phillips winning last year. that got had a vocal range of about seven notes.
0: And what I am to you is not real What I am to you you do not need What I am to you is not what you mean to me You give me miles and miles and mountains And I'll ask
4: for the sea And it really disgusted me and I didn't watch this year because of that Thank you very much.
5: Hey, this is David from Nashville. I actually wanted to call and leave a comment on the comments, which had to do with uh, Nick Drake. I just want to say it was so inspiring hearing people talk like that about him. It uh, completely shows the absolute wonderful power of of music and and great music to inspire and uh, give people meaning in certain elements of their life. Goes to prove that great music is absolutely timeless. Uh, This is a guy who put out a few records that sold nothing. He died 30 or 40 years back, selling no copies of his records, and people are still completely moved to travel the world to go visit his, pay tribute to his life. Thanks very much. Bye bye.
0: Once you've seen what they have been to in the earth Just once seem worth your night or your day Oh well, yeah, what I say Look around you find the ground is not so far from where you are I don't know too do wise For down below they never grow They're always tired and charms are hired Hey
4: guys, this is Adam from Boston. I'm calling in regards to all this super tramp love that keeps coming out
5: of
1: the woodwork. It was fascinating to me that during the Tame Impala interview, Kevin Parker mentioned Supertramp. Because, you know, he he had the fearlessness to say, I'm going to say that this not hip at all band really influenced me. Because really, all the hip rock critics would never say they love Supertramp. I don't care about such stuff. I love Supertramp.
4: I still don't like them. Maybe I'm the only one. I do agree they have some good melodies and chord changes. But it is complete cheese. Sorry, I can't get past it. Anyway, I love the show. All the episodes have been awesome, but it's been like a couple weeks in a row of Super Tramp. Kinda had enough. But whatever man. Good job guys.
0: No more messages.
3: cool <laughs> yep even easier than that and with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts is it even a decision that's banking reimagined what's in your wallet terms apply see capital one.com bank for details capital one and a member fdic